Support for Short Stops is presented by the Kalem Trading Institute. Check out our website at www.kalaminstitute.com. On today's episode... Based from my experience, the biggest losses that I had, whether actual losses or opportunity losses, was when I was sure that markets are going to go up or down, right? When, when, you're, when you're not sure, you tend to, you know, always be on the lookout every single day, always question whether you're right or wrong, maybe you're underinvested, maybe you're overinvested, and that's very healthy for me. But when it comes to a point where in everything that you see is just confirmation bias, based on my experience, that's where I really lose a lot. Call it what you want, a game, an experiment, a gamble. But stock trading in the global financial markets to us is a business. Every day you're surrounded by the noise. Buy, sell, hold, buy more. And we're going to quiet it down and filter out the best trading strategies, tips, and stock picks. You want information on how to find your next bagger or home run? You'll find it right here on Short Stops. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 35. Two weeks ago, we were very happy and very excited at the Trader Summit. Two weeks later, markets have dropped tremendously, and that's why we're here. <laughs> but in a, in a positive note, and I have here today, Leonard and Charles, who were also with me during Trader Summit. Guys, please say hi. Hello. Hello hi, guys. everyone. Come on, you got to be more excited than that. <laughs> as excited as the markets are today so the reason why we're back and we've been gone for long for a long time it's because we've been exceptionally busy preparing for august so if you guys are available in singapore please join us we'll be there for two days on august 24 and august 25 but we'll talk about in a next podcast in a future podcast let's focus on what's more important today which is the markets this year has been difficult, primarily, especially for the investors, I assume. For the traders, maybe yet also difficult, right? But if you like extend this, not just from this year to last year, three years from now, five years from now, mm-hmm. um, we're probably at May 2013 levels yeah. again at 7,400, right? So if you, if you invest, obviously, in the last six years, you're still at the same level of index right but obviously there's been ups there's been downs you had your swings both to the top and going down right and most of the time the market has been range bound um maybe you guys can shed more light as to what's happening and what has changed and maybe later on we can talk about what do you see going forward i guess at the biggest picture you know the as you said, since 2003, May 2013, we've been at this, at these levels, 7,400, 7,700 today. Um, I guess the biggest difference since then was that six years ago, we were at 22, 23 times PE. And now, six years later, still around the same level, we're now down to 16 and a half times PE. So I guess uh, what has happened over the last six years is that you have... Uh, a de-rating of multiples in the local market at least um, and in a way so in that sense we're we're now more we're now cheaper than what we were six years ago but you have to match that with the higher interest rates today so so in a way it's it's kind of sad also because even after six years of 
no gains were still fairly valued, right? So it just so happened uh, with the benefit of hindsight, you could have said that in 2013, we were overpriced at 22, 23 times PE, right? So I think that's the bigger picture of things. So it took six years to correct that expensive yeah, valuation, yeah. the point is. Yeah, so the, the duration really happened through time, like through six years no? to correct that 23 times PE to now what we, what we are now. And the only way to further correct this is as corporate earnings continue to grow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Earn, earnings, earnings should continue to grow. The, the question is how fast will it grow? Over the last five years, maybe the average is around like mid to high single digits in terms of growth. Um, if, we, if we're lucky, maybe it can accelerate to double digit, to, high, to mid-teens. That would be that would be good for the markets, obviously. But if not, if it continues to grow by five percent, eight percent a year, then that would also be roughly my expectations for returns going forward. Like over the next two, three years, on average, it's, it's still gonna be choppy. It's still gonna be like like uh, on average at five to five percent, six percent return. And this is not just isolated case, right? This is like happening all over the world, including emerging markets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be- Indonesia, I- India, they all look pretty Exactly, because global interest rates in a way are correlated, mm-hmm. right? With Same with the US rates. So since the 2013 was the start of the, the, the tapering, right? The, the signaling that they would start tapering already. And so that was the, also the, the glow of global interest rates. And so... It, in a way, it makes sense. No? So when global interest over the last six years increased gradually, multiples also decreased. So, yeah. It, it has to be the same global. What about you, Leonard? Let's say you're taking a viewpoint. I assume you also agree with what Charles said from a U.S. Yeah, or global standpoint, right? But obviously, we've seen the U.S. stronger than most developed and emerging markets. What would be the main reasons for that? Mm. I think Charles explained the interest rates part. The way I see today, there's also the concerns over China slowing down, affecting the region. Maybe that's where the growth part is being questioned. Uh, In the U.S., the big boost was really coming from the tax cuts in 2017. And a lot of that has been absorbed. So the issue still is that which everyone I think can re- uh, is able to hear today is that we're in a late cycle already in the market. And when in the, we're in the late cycle, growth tends to slow down. Now the question is, will growth like drop significantly with the crisis? And if you read a lot of the more bearish uh, articles, the the concerns has always been there and so it's very hard to preempt it uh, that, that's the thing Adam. if you look at the bearish side of the calls it's not something that's not been said already especially in the last two three years maybe the impact about the trade deal has not been evidenced yet but we're starting to see yes. cracks today but if you look at a lot of calls about late stages or everything but there's nothing new under the sun that's just how I see it also. The, there always is a concern that all those debt in the developed markets will just implode, but it's very hard to preempt these things. And the other critic of the U.S. market is the valuations are historically higher. The 
issue is interest rates are still so low. It's still at 2.5%. And there's just no other opportunities in the market. And those valuations could be justified if interest rates remain there. So my, con- my, my fear is that the U.S. could just also chop around in a sideways manner until there's clarity in the growth globally. So now, obviously, we're heading to the last stages of the bull market, right? Where global growth is slowing down, mm-hmm. as evidenced by manufacturing data, trade data. And this is shown not just in the U.S., but all over the world, especially in Asia and emerging markets. And I think that's the first reason why we're seeing China as the biggest question mark behind all of this, right? Uh, but on the flip side, despite going into this like late stages of the economic growth or cycle, whatever, right? Credit is still cheap, right? You have that argument that credit is still cheap, meaning interest rates are still near record lows, um, 2.4%, whether in the U.S. And then if you look at like emerging market, it's not anything like scary. And if you look at the financial system, most of them are still liquid. I don't know where the crisis is gonna come from because there has to be a catalyst for any of these things to mm. appear, right? So usually, like, there's a question of whether it's a slowdown or it's a full-blown crisis. And obviously, to answer whether it's a full-blown crisis is like, who knows? Right. That's just exactly. my point. Exactly. That's oh. been the last five years. It's been the last three, four years. <laughs> the money. Oh. Everybody's saying there's a crisis. Right. Who knows anyway exactly. when it's gonna happen? That's yeah. just my. That's my. That's my point. Yeah. Right. Despite having that view, how I still look at the markets is that some way somehow there's still opportunity but what's happening is that the opportunity and the swings and the uh, time to make money has just become shorter and shorter and shorter i think like as investors or traders you want to have that some level of expectation or base expectations towards the market so at least when you're preparing or you're trading your individual stocks it's easy for them to okay now i want to buy low sell high or just stay away and or just stay away and not do anything which is one option right or I mean stock picking stock picking indirectly and I think that's the reason why growth has always been like the main theme when it comes to stock picking because that's where really investors traders are really focused on the ones that have proven to grow quality year in and year out and I think it's proven that if you look at the last like Two, three years of the cycle especially the ones that are still trading at new highs so you have your Jollibee's your Ayala Land you have um, Wilco and today right as opposed to some other stocks that are haven't moved or still trading below their three years average because it's the US and Japan similar it's they're better in terms of uh, let's say the US kasi because of the, those taxes the, there was a big boost eh. but still they're all slowing down eh. so the problem is in, same issue eh. interest, are so, interest rates are so low there's no reason to derate significantly eh. so nangyari, for me eh, my view is uh, the stock picking is so crucial na you have to be able to select mm-hmm. this versus before parang broad based kahit anong tirahin mo malaking chance tuloy-tuloy ah, eh. oh. yeah yeah I agree so parang to yung parang when the, when the tide is gone, you get to see who swims naked. Parang good. <laughs> oh, in the easy market, bull run, mura lahat, kahit anong bilid mo, kaya umakit. Eh. Ngayon, different na eh. Stock picking, yeah. 
the the problem for me ah, ano, related dito is alam niyo experiment na blue dot there are this test where you see a lot of dots in the screen and then you'd say which is blue so pili 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 so mga, let's say 20% you say it's blue now what they tried after that is to run tests where they reduce the blueness of the stock of the colors so less blue na maybe a bit purple dumakunti so nangyayari as a person daw you change your standards parang what you think is blue becomes less blue so same pa rin sinasabi mong blue sa board kahit kumunti na yung blue versus before pero yan yung test so basically for me in a tough market that's a problem when you can't see any more opportunities you relax your standard so even if bulok yung dati di mo papatulang ngayon papatulan mo na that's a problem that's why it's easy to say don't trade lose ma don't trade but hahanapin mo yung mga less blue and then bibilin mo eh that's how I see that's why it's so hard yeah, to, in I, this like, environment I think it's normal naman let's say wala ka na mapatulan obviously whatever looks okay uh-huh. Uh-huh. like you lower your standards and then sabi-sabi mo okay na yan pwede na yan right and then yun yung papatulan mo so the question is is it wrong just curious I, I guess as long as you look you know the big picture it's not absolutely wrong I mean, you just have to be aware of where you again the the bigger picture. So maybe it translates to you know lower size or mm-hmm. or being more cautious when when you're cutting or being more proactive, right? So you you, you still have you can still I think you can still do those trade trades, but you have to be aware of the big picture. So for me, parang now you need to this decide. Right? Jack ten lang siya. You you have to bet smaller, but it doesn't mean that. In this market, there's no blue. There's still a rare blue dot. It just takes more skill to find that. And if you can find them, you can still size okay. it up as much as you can. So that that's how we see it. Okay. I mean, given now, given all of that, we have uh, like a basic understanding of what happened, especially from a global standpoint, including emerging market, the Philippines. What's important today, like what we said a while ago, is to have a level, set level of expectations or base expectations for traders, right? And we talked about having like this range bound or buy low, sell high, right? Could you guys give like certain numbers or certain figures? So at least just to guide traders as to what levels they could be picking and what levels could they be selling? For me, in terms of you know, like calling the tops or bottoms, I tend to use technicals and sentiment more than than actual fundamentals. Eh? Since I think, I believe that fundamentals usually, uh, the prices usually overshoot fundamentals, either on the upside or on the downside. So for me, my base case, the range that I'm looking at, at least for the Philippines in the next few months, would be a range from 6.8, the previous low, until the eight thousand, basically. So this is a big, big, big box for me. Six eight. I mean, ano ba presyo ngayon? Se- <laughs> seven seven. <laughs> no, you know it. No, that, that's that's for me the like the worst case. Okay. That's for me the worst case. That's not base case. The, sorry, sorry. I mean, it, it, I I think it's gonna be a, a big a big box. Okay, okay. Right. I don't see it really breaking out, but I also don't see be, I because I think, like with what happened the last one or two weeks, I've been hearing already like you know talks of new lows. Okay. Believe it or not. So so um I my 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 base case would be 
fundamentally would be like around 15 times I think is a mar- in, in, in today's market and I can bet on it already um, but again you know technicals you have to respect it and it might overshoot but fundamentally 15 times looks like a good number to me but that uh, that again is like 10% 10% from today's price yeah, because now we're doing it 16 and a half times so yeah that's a 10% range and and yeah it's it's really hard to 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 time using fundamentals at the same time even your upside is capped also yeah i, mean, I don't think we're going to see the 18 above like yeah. anytime soon also right and and as i said the, at least for for short term timing i tend to use more sentiment than than fundamental fundamental target prices so in terms of sentiment right now i would say markets aren't I don't know if you agree with me, but I think markets aren't really that bearish yet. Whereas if you look at it from a technical perspective, we just broke down the major moving averages. So people are just now starting to lose money, right? By definition. I'm still in a wait and see mode on whether that would translate to more bearishness in the coming weeks. If it does, then maybe it would give us a a better buying price for, for, for our companies. You talked about blue pills a while ago, so meaning there's like certain alpha coming out in the market, and I I do believe like we're still we're still seeing some stocks that are stronger than the market, especially um, just to name some uh, like your telcos, even some of your small caps, SSI, LR, even everybody's even Charles's favorites, Sibuya <laughs> Masters. <laughs> so I mean like we're start we're, I mean there's still alpha in the market, but obviously those blue pills. They might not be like what you said, the perfect blue pills. They might be like substandard. At least they grow and they're cheap, probably. But they're not like the perfect bet, obviously. Or so as traders, do you focus more on here or do you focus more on picking bottoms? For me that's a good question. And I always like to think you have to know what type of trader you are. Now, if you're more positioned, you don't wanna watch the markets. I'd say, as Charles said, you have to wait until things like when things really drop, let's say another 10%, then that's when you get in. That's when you're more opportunistic. Uh, but if you're like, you have the time to read and check the markets, uh, I think you need to keep on looking for new stocks that are really growing fast because they could just appear out of nowhere. And normally in a bad market, you'll see it clearly because market's weak and then this stock just keeps on going up with volume and something must be going on so for some traders it even benefits them because the weak market helps you screen out only the strong ones i mean there's no right answer if you want to buy your bdos your your big caps in the philippines you gotta wait because wait and see wait and see well at least if you're so it's, it's it's what's important is that you have to know like what type of strategy you want to be doing what type what preference you as a yeah. trader do you want also yes so, so it ties up to the 45 degree or more 90 degree stocks that you're trying it because if you're 45 that's you have to look at all these macros that we're saying that mm-hmm. it's slowing down you got to be patient but if you're looking at young growth companies that are just emerging the market has not seen them before Maybe this 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 macro concerns are are not as big a concern. That's but you have to learn how to protect yourself also yeah. because you have to understand that it's still a trade. Yeah, so the volatilities would probably be higher. 
So I personally do a bit of both. Uh, I I'm I'm lighter than what I was uh, two months ago, um, but I still have some, as you said, as you mentioned, um, some alpha stocks, alpha plays. Um, so I do a bit of both, and yeah, if it capitulates further, then maybe we can. I could look more into the... Bridges. You guys mentioned two significant keywords. The first one is you expect volatility to be higher and your position weighting is also lower. Can you describe what you meant by both? In, in general market sentiment, when, when people are losing money, prices tend to you know go down faster, right? Because people are cutting losses rather than taking profits. So just by definition, you have to be more careful um, when it comes to to your your any position that you're holding no um the the another issue here in the philippines is that when you're looking for those alpha plays these are usually the more illiquid stocks so you also have to take into account liquidity sometimes there's nothing wrong with the company but because the market is the the, the broad market is declining then you you could see a significant uh, sell off in that in, in your company um, so liquidity is also an issue um, that's magni- that, that, that's, that magnifies the volatility. Pos- so so, so like in, t- in this type of environment, you should expect, because volatility to be bigger, it's largely driven by like what you said, um, liquidity, yeah. um, market concerns. And as traders, you should preempt and know that they can happen when they do happen. So at least when it happens, they're not going to die. At least you're mentally prepared. You're mentally prepared. Yes, yes. And, and you have to assume because, because again, at any point in time, as, a, as traders, we have to be aware of the, like our VAR, right? our, our maximum loss for the day. Because if you, you're, you're not aware of that, you're not in control of that, then the ultimate result is that you could be emotional and that, as we all know, would lead to you know, trouble going forward. Okay, great. Can I add there? I think I think part. Sometimes these are all like you have. To, I think we've experienced them. That's why it's so easy to talk about it. Because one example could be Double Dragon in 2015, during the run up from eight to twenty, and then the whole market was collapsing. Then so when it went to twelve, eight to twelve, para okay ka na. Then all from twelve, it went all the way back to eight during the a certain drop in the market, and then so that's a fifty percent drop, eh? and then umaket ulit. So. I think sometimes you have to adjust your strategy where you're more nimble and you're able to buy it back when 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 stock prices go back to the pivot point again so so being nimbler in this market and being willing to to adjust is 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 a key okay and going back to my next question so we addressed this part about expecting higher volatility the other part is about you mentioned about lower sizing the question is like how low how much lower for for me, I I I have uh, like an overall exposure on what I want, what what I want my my levels to be. So you mean overall portfolio? Over, overall. Okay. So so right now I'm about at forty to fifty percent in on okay. average, um. But everything's relative. Eh? So like during when when I'm bullish, I I would be around like maybe seventy to eighty percent in. When I'm bear, I'm when I'm most bearish, I'm probably about. I don't know, like twenty five percent. I'm never really like a hundred percent in or zero percent in, because I'm never sure of what the market will do. 
so yeah, everything's relative. Eh. Some people are more aggressive, so maybe they want to do uh, like a ten percent in now or a hundred percent in later when it's bullish or even more than that. Yeah, it's just a gauge. So it's it's a it's a range. So it might be misleading if you just. Yeah. I understand, understand. But like an individual position, seguro. Um, you mentioned about VAR, value at risk, and basically value at risk is how much you're being exposed in every given point in time. So a 1% value at risk VAR would entail that that position, if you lose, you lose up to 1% of your portfolio. Um, on an individual position, do you also lower your VAR in difficult markets such as today? Short answer for me is yes. But as I, as I, what, what, what I want to highlight is that um, like in Kalum, we teach like the FTSR, right? They're, they're, they're three plus their risk. So we don't, I, I just don't consider the sentiment or the, or the overall market outlook. I also consider my conviction level on the fundamentals primarily. So as Leonard said a while ago, it becomes your, the, a stock picking game and your conviction fundamentally would also have an impact on, on your size. So it again, it would still depend. So if I'm, I, I think uh, some of a few stocks are very cheap. Um, despite this uh, market correction, that I might might uh, still have put the same in a level, same base level in terms of my, my allocation. Can Can I go back to the blue dot? So for me, if you're new, there's the danger always. So it depends on your experience. If you just started trading, there's a danger of seeing so many non-blue. That's as blue. So I would that's <laughs> last I, point. Then that's last I suggest point, you, know. you have to lower your bar. But I think once you have enough experience, maybe you're you have shown that you know your technicals and fundamentals well. Then when the stars still align, you still have to put the full bar. That's how that's how I think. Uh, so for can I give an example? Sure. In Japan today, uh, you can look at the chart. It's it's JP colon three six five five. It's called Brain Pad. And it's in the AI uh, consulting. Uh, but basically, what I want to stress, if you look at the chart, you can see the technicals really showing strength in a bad market. It's, it went up 50% in a week. There's volume. And if I think fundamentally, it's really good. Once the consolidation comes in, I'll still put the 1% bar despite the market being weak. Let me just add. So I guess at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, add putting in all the stacks and understanding everything is a probability game so you just have to consider so you all mean of probability the, stacks probability so like, stacks yes ito, this yes. is a reason for me to be bullish plus one yes. and then another yes. reason Let, let's say market outlook uh, for me at least I'm not, I'm, I'm not bullish but I'm not really that bearish so let's say that's a negative one Let, let's say I like the fundamentals maybe that's a plus two I don't know so it could theoretically overcome your your hesitation on the on the macro side, if you really like that company fundamentally or technically even, right? So you just have to add these variables to give you the best probability that that you can. I think it helps to have a checklist in this market also when times are uh, so tough. You get to paralat So have a checklist on: is there a setup? What do you think of the? Is there a catalyst? Is sentiment on that sector good? So parang checklist maybe that could help you also. Make sure you're not biased or meaning for each for segment, each. whether it's fundamentals or technicals or yeah. sentiment or risk management per trade. Per trade. Yeah. Okay. Going back to everything else that we mentioned a while ago, you guys both mentioned that it's a wait and see type of environment. What are you looking for 
there are only like two cases when I would be very aggressive. And if the number one would be a, a big fundamental catalyst, well, obviously, right? I mean, and, and let's say let's say second quarter earnings became become super strong, like beat expectations, or let's say corporate earnings in general, malakas. Yeah, earnings. Yeah, probably earnings. No? And there's a lot of um, good catalysts supporting it, like low inflation, yeah, the budget yeah, yeah. was passed, yeah, yeah, yeah. election spending. Exactly, exactly. And so, so as, but aside from like fundamental catalyst, a big fundamental catalyst, I, I'm, I'm, I think another way to be aggressive if you see su- extreme sentiment. No, so in this case, negative sentiment. So, usually we we call that capitulation, right? I mean, if it happens, then that's great for us, right? For us traders. Um, but of course, there's no guarantee that it could it, that it would happen anytime soon. Markets could just stay sideways for a long time. So, uh, but if it does happen, um, then that could also be uh, an opportunity for us to get in. So either fundamentals or sen- extreme sentiment. That's what I'm waiting for to be to be aggressive in my allocation. And just to add on your fundamentals, I assume rolling over of earnings. Let's say another 2020 probably be more positive than 2019. Yes, but again, it still has to translate to a high growth number. Okay. Right? If, if let's say we're rolling over, but the expectation is you know another eight percent growth or a nine percent growth, then I don't I don't think it it warrants. Grabe uh, ganaman eight percent reklamo kaba. Ako lang yun. I'm 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 all I'm conservative. Okay, okay. For me, the US. If the trade war really gets, uh, like all the headline gets bad, I want to see a capitulation. That's when I'm really excited to 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 buy it. That let's see another ten percent, fifteen percent crash like late last year. Uh, on the other hand, my bull case would be if things really end up good, which is very unlikely at this point. Who knows? Maybe the market sentiment will just drive the the strong trend in the U.S. higher for at least in the short term. Uh, so overall, without those two resolving itself, whether bad or good, I'm more neutral at this point. So just to wrap everything that we just talked about this afternoon, I assume both of you are generally neutral when it comes to the market. I mean, the bullish has their cases, the bearish has their cases yeah. also. And in the meantime, what's happening today is just, it's hard to put in one direction as to which way the market is going to go. Right? Which is often the case. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. But, but during these times, time. yeah, which is, but during these times also, we, there's that small pocket of opportunity. Yes. Which yes. is where you guys are also focused on. Yeah. And those are the types of issues and you have to understand how you are as a trader to find out which type of opportunity you want to yes. take advantage of. Yes. Um, for, for me, I just want to say that uh, I, I, I think it's, it's very important for, for us traders to have a, an open mind today in this situation. No? Um, because, at, at least based from my experience, the biggest losses that I had, whether actual losses or opportunity losses, wa- was when I was sure that markets are going to go up or down. <laughs> right? when, when, you're, when you're not sure, you tend to you know, always be on the lookout every single day always question whether you're right or wrong maybe you're underinvested maybe you're overinvested and that's very healthy for me but when it comes to a point where in 
you're you're already sure that it's gonna go down and then you're 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 just everything that you see is just confirmation bias mm-hmm. or you're sure that it's gonna go up then by my based on my experience that's where i really lose a lot I'm always like banking on it's gonna go further down and then it it, it recovers and then i'm and vice versa so so i think that would be my 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 advice to the traders today uh whatever your views are just keep an open mind maybe there's a 10 percent chance that you're wrong and something you might have missed yeah so like to add on what Charles said is that even if you have such a strong view of the market, if you're trying to time it, you need to be able to read what the market is doing today. So example, even you have a strong view that the market should recover and that things are gonna go well, you have to train your ability to read the, the market and tell you that things are starting to turn. Meaning that's that's a skill that you have to develop over time. Not just saying, whatever the market is doing, I don't care. I'm just going to buy it today. Those are the ones Charles said is very dangerous. Meaning over time, through experience, you learn to develop ways to tell you that the market is now starting to turn favorably better. You need to love these kinds of tough markets. For me, the most lessons I've learned were during these tough markets where... I'm able to improve my understanding of what stocks could go up versus those that don't go up. In good markets, kasi, Not you really think you're so good. <laughs> In bad markets, that's when I really learned my lessons that there's still so much I need to learn. Pa. Yeah, and I'll probably just add one last comment before we end this podcast. And I agree 100% with what both of you said about open-mindedness and having that discipline and learning to go through these tough times, right? And I always give this advice to all our traders and to all our students. And it's not about having that longevity to survive during these tough times. And you wanna have that process of going through these difficult markets, learn as much as you can, survive, so that when you see it again, it becomes so much easier to execute, right? And it might take time for you to learn this, especially in today's type of difficult environment. But these are experiences that make us better. Right? So as traders, you have to understand that everything that happens, whether good or bad, are pockets for us to find ways to become better over time. Okay? So there you have it. It's good to be back. And hopefully you'll hear from us again soon enough. Thanks. Have a great day.